We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Fantrax. I am your host, Ryan Boyer. Uh, my buddy Chris Crawford usually do our Saturday show together. He's a little bit under the weather, so I will be going for it solo this evening or this morning or this afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening to this. We will continue with our division-by-division division breakdown. We're going to go team-by-team team and pick a player that's overrated, pick a player that's underrated for each team. Uh, it's going to be the NL West for this week's episode. First, though, we're going to get to some headlines. Uh, a couple of these headlines are you know, at least a day or two old, but I haven't been with you guys in a week, so I wanted to, wanted to touch on a couple things. One of the more recent ones, uh, Brandon Marsh underwent knee surgery yesterday. I believe it was his left knee. Um, arthroscopic surgery. Um relatively minor. I, I believe it was a debridement procedure. Basically that just means kind of go in there and clean, clean the knee out. Um, they're saying the Phillies are saying it's going to be a three to four week um, time period that he'll be sidelined. They are expecting him to be ready to go for opening day. Um that seems realistic if that certainly if that three to four week time to table um, holds up, um, obviously any sort of setback and opening day could be in jeopardy. Um, Brandon Marsh is currently projected to open in left field for the Phillies. Um, he could also potentially slide back over to center field if the Phillies decide Yoan Rojas is not quite ready yet. Um, I, I would think the fact that Marsh is at least going to have an abbreviated spring now, I would think that probably gives Rojas a better chance 
of opening up in center field on opening day. I think his odds were pretty high anyway. But, I mean, if he had to just have a solid spring to be the opening day center fielder, now I think he probably just needs to not be terrible this spring and he'll probably be the opening day center fielder. Um, I know they like his defense a lot. They want his offense to to pick up, but I think they'll – They'll be okay with sticking him in the nine spot in the in the lineup and you know getting that great defense and hopefully the bat comes along. But as far as Marsh goes, he's supposed to open in in left field. Um, Kyle Schwarber is going to be the full time designated hitter. Bryce Harper moving to first base full time. Nick Castellanos in right field. The Phillies seem to be contending that the Marsh surgery will not affect whether they go after an outfielder or not. We have seen Cody Bellinger's name associated with them recently. Um, I think maybe Bob Nightingale was first to bring it up that that they could be a sleeper team. Uh, John Heyman, I know, has mentioned them as a possible sneaky landing spot for Bellinger. And I do think it kind of makes some sense. I mean, beyond the fact that they're not – they don't have a center fielder cemented in there. There's also the fact that especially Boris clients that take a while to sign Boris kind of has this history of kind of cutting out the middleman and negotiating directly with the owner when it comes to huge contracts like this. And John Middleton is one of the most aggressive owners out there. He likes to spend money in free agency Um, I could see a scenario where Boris goes straight to him and talks him into a, maybe a creative Cody Bellinger contract. I could see that happening. I don't think the Marsh injury is really going to make a difference. You know, they're not going to decide whether to sign Cody Bellinger based on this injury. It, It does seem relatively minor, but I do think it's interesting that the Phillies are, somewhat associated with Bellinger now. So that's something to keep in mind. I, I do think perhaps they'll be more willing to sign like a Randall Gritchick or a Tommy Pham, a Adam Duvall type. Um, but it sounds like at least for the time being that they're going to be okay with uh, what they have in the outfield. Um, other headlines. Clayton Kershaw, I know, shocking. He's signed back with the with the Dodgers. You know, I I know we heard about the possibility of maybe he could go to the to the Rangers, kind of his hometown team. Never really bought that, both from the fact that I just didn't think he was going to leave the Dodgers, but also especially after the what's going after Max Scherzer had his back surgery. They signed Tyler, Tyler Malley. I mean, they're already going to have three pitchers that they're counting on coming back around mid season. So signing a fourth and another aging pitcher just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And that's before even factoring in that apparently the Rangers are still kind of waiting for their TV situation to get resolved before they, make any big 
spend expenditures. So Kershaw back with the Dodgers. Um, very vague timetable at this point. He's just saying summer, July-ish, August-ish, I think is what he alluded to on Thursday, I believe. There are incentives in his contract. I think if he makes six to ten starts, I, I believe is what I read, is that would essentially double his salary. So, I, you know, he's obviously going to try to do that. Um, he could get there if he gets back August 1. Um, I think that's a realistic expectation. But, again, we're like – he's like two weeks into his throwing program at this point from – coming back from shoulder surgery. Um, so any timetable with Kershaw is extremely rough right now. We probably won't know for months what a real realistic return date will be for him. Um, but it kind of, I mean, he's, the Dodgers can afford to proceed cautiously. Um, they don't really need Kershaw. I don't think, but I mean, if he could come back, I mean, he was really good last year before getting hurt. Um, if he could come back and have close to that form, obviously that would be a big boost down the stretch in the second half and in the postseason. Um, Emmett Sheehan and Gavin Stone. I guess this dings their outlook a little bit, um, but again, we're talking about Kershaw probably missing at least a minimum of four months. Um, so by that point, obviously Tyler Glass now could get hurt again. Uh, who knows what else might happen. Um, Sheehan and Stone will still, I think, have opportunities to establish themselves one way or the other prior to when Kershaw makes it back. So I don't think it really affects them a whole lot. Um, as far as Kershaw goes, I don't think you can – I don't think you can draft him and redraft. I just don't think that's something that you should be waiting around on. Um, again, at minimum, he's going to miss four months. He's a fairly old pitcher coming back from major shoulder surgery. Um, I certainly don't have any doubts that he's going to take his rehab very seriously, try to make it back as quickly and as healthy and as strong as he possibly can, but we just don't know. Uh, so I, I don't think he can be drafted in basically any kind of redraft. I just don't think it's it's worth waiting around. And perhaps if you have unlimited IL spots and you can just stash them on there and wait it out, I mean, sure, he might as well do that. But outside of that, I, I just don't think the it's worth waiting around. One other, I guess, headline I wanted to talk about um, uh, here quickly. Got a question from Nathan Anderson here. Uh, would you consider him in an NL only auction league for a late $1 pitcher that just sits on the aisle? Uh, talking about Kershaw. Um, that situation, I think, would be fine. Again, maybe it might depend on how many IL spots you have. But, you know, if you're talking about at that point in the draft in a $1 pitcher, if you ultimately need that IL spot for someone else who's going to be back sooner, then you can just cut them at that point. So, I'm yeah, a $1 bid and only is perfectly fine. 
Um, certainly mixed redrafts. I'm not interested though. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on is lots of smoke about uh, Kenley Jansen trade rumors. Um, and obviously we don't know if he is ultimately traded where he's going to end up yet, but potentially pretty big fantasy fantasy implications. If he is ultimately dealt, um, obviously Chris Martin would be the guy to roster. I think definitely in that Boston bullpen, his value would shoot up, you know, assuming that the Red Sox don't go after another, closer type or get one in return, I guess. But I, I think they would probably just hand the job over to Chris Martin. He was very, very good last year. Um, we have seen the Dodgers connected. We've seen the Phillies connected to, to Kenley Jansen trade talks, the Padres. Those are the three teams that I've seen mentioned. It doesn't mean there aren't more, but any of those situations are potentially big, fantasy fantasy implications obviously the Dodgers um, if he goes back to the Dodgers that's a pretty nice boost to his fantasy value um, it's also a, would be a major major hit to Evan Phillips's fantasy value um, you know we've seen the Dodgers flirt with uh, we've heard them connected to Josh Hader before he signed with the Astros uh, Phillips dodged dodge that bullet. Um, I do think it could make some sense them reacquire, reacquiring Kenley Jansen, just stick him in, in the ninth inning and they could use Evan Phillips earlier in games. Dave Roberts isn't afraid to do that. I mean, even though Evan Phillips is clearly the guy to roster for saves in that bullpen right now, Roberts has never really been one to fully embrace a clear closer since Kenley Jansen. Um, so that would be a major hit to Phillips's fantasy value. Uh, if he would get traded to the Phillies, he would, you know, Rob Thompson is another guy who isn't crazy about um, a set closer. Um, I like Jose Alvarado currently the most in that bullpen, both from a skills perspective. And I think I would pick him to lead the team in saves as well. They have other good options, though. I'd love Orion Kirkering. I don't know how soon um, he'll be in the mix for saves, but it wouldn't shock me if it's if it's early on. I think his upside is is huge. Um, Jeff Hoffman had a fantastic year for them last year. Maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez can get back on track and get back in the mix for saves, um, but. Kenley Jansen getting traded there. I, I do think that would also make some sense for the, for the Phillies. They could use Alvarado earlier in games as, as Rob Thompson has seemed to prefer to do. Uh, so that's another team to keep an eye on the Padres. We are, their closer situation is up in the air. Um, seems like Robert Suarez probably is the favorite right now for saves there, but that's, I mean, it could be 1A, 1B with Yuki Matsui, maybe even 1C with uh, with Go. Um, I know Mike Shield even talked up 
Wandy Peralta's being a late inning option as well. So I don't know that the Padres, as things currently stand, will even necessarily have a set closer going into the season. Um, we have seen uh, Jaron Duran also mentioned as a possible trade target for the Padres. I wonder if the they could attach uh, Jansen and Duran in a trade together. Um, obviously, that would require a much bigger return going toward to back to Boston if they did do that. Um, so I think it was worth, even though it's just all speculation at this point, I think it was worth talking a little bit about those uh, Kinley Jansen trade rumors because for whatever reason, the Red Sox seem to be operating as a, should we say, mid-market team? Uh, maybe not low-market team, but they're wanting to clear some more payroll, it seems. Uh, Jansen is set to make $16 million in 2024 in his last year under contract. Uh, so definitely something to to keep in mind there. Um, if he gets traded and what would be the implications for his new team and the Red Sox, um, certainly com- something to keep keep an eye on. Um, guys, it's a good time to sign up for rotowire.com. I don't know why you haven't already if you haven't. Um, but now is the, absolutely the time to do it. We're approaching draft season, already in draft season for some people. We just recently added ATC projections to every player page. It's an incredible resource to have. Draft kit is up and running, um, updated every day, new stuff added all the time, articles going up on the site every day. I have an article usually going up each Tuesday. Um, This past week I wrote about uh, targets and saves plus holds leagues. Um, So check that out. Um, Again, now is the time to sign up for rotorwire.com. If for some reason you haven't already done that, it's also a good time to set up your league on Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. They can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need customizable commissioner services for your league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform, waivers, categories, scoring system schedule. Fantrax offers customer solutions for that and more, and it's all free. That was a live read right there, but I'm going to go off script and just say I can vouch for all of that, guys. Um, I have most of my leagues are played on Fantrax. I wish, frankly, all of them were on Fantrax. It's an extremely easy and customizable platform. It's the best one out there. I mean, if you're the the player pool is almost quite literally everybody in an entire universe you're capable of, of rostering. 
So in particular, your keeper leagues, your dynasty leagues, that's just the absolute best place for you to run your league. And, but it's great for redrafts too. You know, if you're in a fab league, they make it incredibly easy to navigate. Um, also, you'd sign up for free fan tracks today. Be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, NL West this week, getting into our NL West overrated and underrated players. First, going to start with the Arizona Diamondbacks, your National League reigning National League champs. And I'll be honest, guys, I was looking to pick someone else here for the underrated but because I've talked about this guy so much already, but I still think Brandon fought is the most underrated on that team. So I just, I had to pick him again. I've talked about his numbers on this pod many times before, but I'm going to go over them again. Really struggled and was sit down, but when he came back, solid four, two, two ERA, 1.24 whip, 73 strikeouts and 70 and a third innings after being recalled home runs per nine went from a absolutely ghastly 3.2 per nine down to 1.7. Still not great, but better in the postseason was even, even better. 3.27 ERA, 1.09 whip 26 to five strikeout to walk rate in 20, 22 postseason innings. Cut down on that home run per nine rate again, down to 1.2. Started throwing more sinkers at that point. Maybe that can solve his, his home run issues to some, some degree. I think he's always going to have problems with the home run ball. He's just an extreme fly ball pitcher, but maybe those sink, those more sinkers than four seamers can help that a little bit. I don't think he wants to totally lean in, in on the four seamer, though, or the, the two seamer, the sinkers because that might affect his strikeout potential as well. Look back at that strikeout potential in the minor leagues, 30 
0.3% strikeout rate, just a 5.2% walk rate during his minor league career. Um, still very affordable. If you look at NFBC ADP, it's currently sitting at 215. So he's just barely being drafted in your quote-unquote standard leagues. Still think Brandon Fought is underrated. Yes, probably going to have home run issues, but he's got great control. He's got bat-missing stuff. He's got an elite outfield defense behind him. Certainly that helps being a fly ball pitcher. Um, he's going to have a good offense backing him. I, I think it, that ADP at 215, that leaves plenty of room for profit. As far as the overrated goes, I'm going to stick in the rotation and say Eduardo Rodriguez. I think from a real-life perspective, he's a, he was a perfectly solid signing for the Diamondbacks. I think he made a lot of sense. However, you look back over the last two years, strikeout rate for Eduardo Rodriguez is just 21.2%. It's below league average. He is going to be moving from Comerica Park to Chase Field. Chase Field is not the hitter's haven. It once was. Now that they've installed the humidor, but it's still – a much better place to hit than Comerica Park. NFBC ADP currently for Eduardo Rodriguez is 191. I would rather have Brandon Fought if we're just looking at that comp right, comp right there, the guy we just finished talking about. He's going later than Eduardo Rodriguez. Some other guys that are also being drafted after him, Yu Darvish, Lucas Giolito, Shota Imanaga, all being picked later than than Erod, and I think all of them, certainly at this point, it looks like from a strikeout perspective at least, have more upside than him. Again, I think he's a perfectly solid real-life fit, and if you're loaded up on maybe some more volatile high-K guys early on in your rotation, maybe you can get a more stable guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, but... I think he sh he sh his ADP should be after 200, and I like some other more high upside guys more than him. Moving on to the Dodgers, the super team. We'll see. It's being, it's being talked up that way. We'll see. Um, underrated, I'm going with Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um I mean, he's already getting picked pretty high, but we'll go over the numbers from NPB. 1.16 ERA in 2023. Go over the last three seasons, 1.42 ERA. Over his entire career, 1.72 ERA. Just completely and utterly dominant. Only 25 years old. There's a reason he wound up getting $325 million. Um, you know, it's – and it also came from the Dodgers, by the way, one of the smartest organizations out there. I, I think that was that's even more of a reason to believe in Yamamoto. Obviously, there's going to have to be an adjustment. You never know quite how the adjustment from overseas is going to go, but I think major league teams are – pretty darn good at 
figuring out how that's going to happen more, more so than they ever have. I mean, we have the spin rates for all those guys. We, they have all of that data. Um, they have more scouts over there than they ever have before. Teams are more prepared to sign pitchers from Japan, from Korea, from overseas than they ever have been. So I, I, that element of unknown is certainly still there, but I don't think it's as nerve wracking, I guess, as it used to be. Um, and his numbers just speak to for themselves. And again, he's only 25 years old. Um, he's going to have to get used to a new ball. Um, that hasn't really seemed like much of an issue. I don't, you hear stuff every now and then about a maybe a Japanese pitcher is uh, having to adjust a little bit. It's the feel, the seams are a little a little bit different. Um, he's also used to pitching. Uh, with extra rest in Japan, but it sounds like he's probably going to do that with the Dodgers as well. So that part, he doesn't, we won't need an adjustment. Yes, that means fewer, fewer starts over the course of the season, but I think keeping in him on a schedule that he's used to, I think it's worth it. Um, Yamamoto, NFBC ADP right now is at 57. Um, again, it's still pretty high, but guys that I would personally take after him. I'd rather have Yamamoto than all three of these guys. His rotation mate, Tyler Glass now love the guy when he's healthy, but again, one 120 innings. Was it last year? His career high. Um, I would rather have Yamamoto over him. Aaron knows Aaron Nola being picked ahead of him. He's kind of on the opposite end as far as workload goes, but I think Yamamoto is, Ceiling is is much higher than Nola's at this point. A high ceiling guy also going ahead of him is Tarek Skubal. I like Tarek Skubal a lot, but I'm taking Yamamoto over him as well. I just think that he's going to hit the ground running with the Dodgers. It's just a great situation. I think the adjustment, again, is there, but it's going to help that he's going to be all signs point to them starting with a six-man rotation. He's going to be pitching on the amount of rest that he's used to. Um, I just think he's going to be a fantasy ace right right from the jump. Uh, overrated from the Dodgers. Going to stick with pitching again. Um, I'm going Walker Bueller. I, this is cheating a little bit because, you know, if you look at Walker Bueller's NFBC ADP, it currently sits at 113. But if you look over just the last two weeks, it's gone up to 142. Um, now that it seemed it's gone from possible to uh, guaranteed now that he's not going to start the season on time. We still don't know how long he's going to be held back. Um, I would personally would not expect him to pitch in April at all. Um, I think – May 1 is probably what you're hoping for if you're a Walker Bueller um, owner. Um, and what is the workload ultimately going to look like for Walker Bueller? Coming back from Tommy John, 
missed all of last season other than I think it one two inning rehab start late in the year. The Dodgers don't need to push him at all in the regular season. They're going to be perfectly happy easing him into workloads. I think he's rarely going to pitch beyond the fifth inning for a while. I I don't know if he's ever going to pitch beyond the sixth all season, frankly, Um, other than maybe the postseason and even then probably not. I, I just the Dodgers have the luxury um, that I, they feel they're going to coast the division title, which they probably will, and they want Walker Buehler for October and then maybe November. So I think that's the smart play on their part, but it also means that it's going to affect his fantasy value. Um, and even the adjusted ADP from the last two weeks of 142, that's still earlier than I would personally take him. Um, again, I think you're looking at a guy who's probably going to not pitch until May, and when he does pitch, he's going to go four or five innings for a while and never probably go beyond six, uh, maybe not all season. So. I think Walker Bueller, extremely talented. He, he reportedly looks good in his in his workouts. He did shouldn't mention real quick. He reportedly had trouble bouncing back uh, at the end of last year. That's you know he he was holding out hope that he could make a late season return, and then once he had trouble bouncing back physically from his throwing sessions, they I don't know that it was ever going to happen anyway, but that made the decision for them for them. So um, chances are that's probably not going to be an issue for him now that he's another, you know, multiple months removed from surgery. But I, I think it's worth mentioning at least again, I just think he's fantastic pitcher overrated for fantasy, at least for 2024. Moving on to the giants. Finally, let's talk about some position players. Luis Matos, I think, is being underrated. And considering that his NFB, NFBC ADP, at the last time I checked it was 604, it's going to be hard to be overrated at that point. Um, Matos slotted in as the primary left fielder for the Giants, it looks like. Last year at 21 years of age, between double A and triple A, he slashed 331, 401, 543, 12 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 9.8% walk rate, just an 8.1% strikeout rate. Yes, he struggled at the big league level, but again, 21 years of age, that should not come as a surprise. And even amidst those struggles, he only struck out at a 13% rate. Um, I believe he's 22 now, Luis Matos, still very young. I think he's got tons of potential. The Giants look like they're going to run him out every day in left field. Uh, 
what is the ultimate leash for him? You know, he he probably can't afford to get off to too slow of a start because they do have some other options, not not great other options. Um, the Giants seem to be attacking outfield more worth uh, with a quantity rather than quality, I would say. Um, but Matos, I think, has more upside than anyone in that outfield. I don't know if the potential is going to blossom in 2024, but again, we're talking about an ADP of 604. Um, so if you're in a deeper league, I, I love taking a shot at, on him as like a, a fifth outfielder in a 15-team league. Um, and I think he has the potential to pay off and then some at that at that going rate. Sticking in the Giants outfield for overrated. Jung-Hoo Lee, their big free agent signing. He's looking at an NFBC ADP of 255. I would rather have Luis Matos than Jung-Hoo Lee. Um, He had 23 home runs in 2022 overseas, but averaged less than 10 over his career. Um, also peaked at just 13 stolen bases during his time in Korea. And that very middling at best, I would say power. I mean, he's going to get, that's going to get sucked up even more at Oracle park, not the best landing spot for a guy that doesn't have great power. Without question, you look at the the OBP skills and they are apparent from his from his time in the KBO. Um, draws a ton a ton of walks, does not strike out much. I, I think he's a good fit potentially as a leadoff hitter for the Giants. It looks like that's where they would like to slot him in. I mean, it could depend on how he fares during spring training. Maybe I mean, if he looks a little overmatched. Maybe they rethink that, but I think if he has, as long as he just has a at least a solid spring, he's probably going to be slotted in as the leadoff hitter. That's what they signed him to be, and that's what they would like him to be. Um, so the run score potential is there. Giants lineup doesn't look that great to me. So even though if he is hitting leadoff, I don't know if he, the, the potential for a ton of runs is there, but he could hit for average, maybe. I don't know how what kind of exit velo he's going to be able to produce. I just don't think there's much upside there from a power perspective or a speed perspective. Uh, I'm not taking him in your your uh, 12 team redraft leagues. I'm I'm just not that interested. Again, he's less of a Polished player, I guess, but I would rather have Luis Matos uh, if you're making me choose between two, those two Giants outfielders. Moving on to the Padres. I'm going to go with Manny Machado as underrated. Um, last season, while playing hurt, turns out he was playing with tennis elbow, which he eventually had surgery for for much of the season. Still finished as a top 80 fantasy player, even while playing hurt. And that was over 138 games. And that was 
He played 138 games in 2023. The last previous seven seasons, other than the shortened 2020 season, he had played at least 150 games. So still finished as a top 80 fantasy player, even in that abbreviated for him season. Looks like he's going to be ready for opening day. All signs point to that. Probably looking at Xander Bogarts and Fernando Tatis hitting in front of him. Going to have plenty of RBI opportunities. Just a year ago at this time, Manny Machado was a second-round fantasy pick. And currently, if you're in a 12-team league, he's going like in round six. I just think there's a lot of room for profit there. Um, You know, it's not a great idea to roster a lot of players that are coming back from surgery, but this is not, not a super worrisome surgery for me. He can DH for a while if he needs to. It sounds like that that's the route they might take. And fantasy managers are, are fine with that. We're still going to get those uh, those stats as a, as a designated hitter, and he's going to be eligible at third base still. The batted ball data was slightly down, but still excellent for Machado last year. I, I just think there's probably too much being made of the, the elbow surgery when it looks like he's going to be ready for opening day. I think he has a sixth-round pick, even a fifth-round pick. Um, I think there's plenty of room for profit there. Overrated with the Padres. I'm going to go with Hassan Kim. Um, speaking of batted ball data, his last year was maybe the worst of any like high quality fantasy option. Average exit velocity, seventh percentile, hard hit rate, third percentile, barrel rate, 11th percentile. Hit 17 home runs last year, but his expected home run total via StatCast was 13.4. So got got pretty lucky in that regard. Stolen bases more than tripled last year. Um, Maybe he can year over year from 2022. Maybe he can keep that up with with the new rules in place, but... You know, even if he does, that they're not quite as impactful as they would have been a year before. I mean, 38 steals is 38 steals. That's going to be extremely valuable. Um, can he get to that level again? Maybe it's possible. Um, but I think realistically, we're we should probably not expect that number again. And I think he's a very good bet to regress in the power department. Um, you know, I'm looking at the NFBC ADP at 88 last time I checked, and that's just a little too rich for me. I know he's multi-position eligible. That is extremely handy to have, especially in deeper leagues where you need to move guys around to make up for guys that get hurt on your roster. But it's just, I see so much more, upside and potential uh, other guys that are being taken after Hassan Kim. So I think for a fantasy perspective, he is overrated. Moving on to the Rockies, our last team here. Uh, 
underrated. I'm going to go with Tovar. Um, he finished uh, based on Roto World's or Roto World, Roto Wires, Player Raider, earned auction value um, 141 last year in 2023. Did that while being 21 for, I think, the bulk of the year, maybe all year. I'm not sure exactly. I know he's 22 now. And even after finishing 141st in 2023, his NFBC ADP currently sits at 197. So he, if he just repeats what he does last year, you're, you're going to make a profit. And former top prospect – um, could certainly take a step forward. You know, he bat he batted eighth or ninth predominantly through mid June last year for the Rockies, and then from then on, he batted second a good amount. If he bats second, I know that Rockies lineup. I'll, I'll be honest, could could be pretty darn bad. But you know, you're still talking about batting second while playing half your games at, at Coors Field. That's a pretty good spot to be in. And again, if he just repeats what he did last year, where I mean, you look at his bottom line numbers, they were kind of ho-hum, but he contributed a little bit across the board. And I think it's reasonable to think as he goes into his age 22 season to expect some improvement. And if he does that, then you're making a nice little profit. So I like, I like him as, a, as an underrated fantasy option. I had trouble picking an overrated fantasy option from the Rockies, frankly, because they just don't have a lot of high drafted players. Um, but I'm going to go with Ryan McMahon. Uh, his NFBC ADP is at 236. That's fine. Um, but I do like plenty of guys that are going after him. He's never had a, even a 780 OPS in his career. Um, that's pretty hard to do when you're – playing at Coors Field for your home games. Uh, OPS on the road in his career, 661. OPS against left-handed pitching in his career, 683. So, I mean, you're talking about basically you want to play him at home when he's facing a righty. That severely limits you. Realistically, that you're not going to just be able to play him in those situations, but ideally that would be what it would be for him. I just the upside that it looked like Ryan McMahon had at one point. I just don't think is. I mean, he is what he is at this point. Again, he he last year he finished better than a than his you know again NFBC ADP two thirty six last I checked and. He finished higher than that last year. So just from that perspective, it's a perfectly justifiable pick. I would just rather not have him on my roster, frankly. Um, again, I think the he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup, but that Rockies lineup looks awfully bad to me. Like, I even, you know, they're going to score some runs at Coors Field, obviously, but... It's just not really a lineup I want to get a piece of or I'm too anxious to get a piece of. And 
Ryan McMahon, again, I think it's a perfectly justifiable at what his current ADP is, but I look at who's going around him and I, there's a lot of guys I would just rather have than Ryan McMahon. The upside is just capped and he's a very boring, I would say, fantasy pick. All right. That'll do it for us on this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Fantrax. You can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Ryan P. Boyer. Be sure to check out our podcasts where they're running every day of the week now, firing them out every day for you guys as we move into draft season. Um, again, Twitter handle is at Ryan P Boyer. If you want to hit me up with your fantasy questions, feel free to do that as well. I will see you guys next week. Take care.